Y'all give yourselves a hand clap for being here today. Hallelujah. Man, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Are you guys excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? I know y'all had a great time last week with Pastor Troy from Madison, Mississippi. I know we talked to him uh, last week and he said that he enjoyed himself so much. He felt so welcome uh, just being here. And thank you guys so much for making him feel welcome. You know, this is my first time teaching since January. Because in February, you know, we had the Sunday uh, Revival Sundays, where every Sunday for the month of uh, February, we had a guest speaker. And so we had a guest speaker for the month of February, and then for March, we had At the Movies. And we had At the Movies for three weeks, and then last week, Pastor Troy was here, so I'm like, wow, I hope I remember how to do this. (laughs) Just joking, just joking, just joking. But I'm so excited to be back. Uh, with you guys and, and share this message with you. Uh, today we actually are starting a new uh, sermon series entitled The Nature of God. The Nature of God. And this will carry on throughout uh, Easter. So we'll be in this for a couple of weeks. But today's message, if you're taking notes, is called The Nature is in His Name. The Nature or His Nature is in His Name. And the reason is like, why are we talking about the nature of God? The reason we're talking about the nature of God is because I believe there's a lot of people that really don't know who God really is. Their experience of God is limited to what someone else has told them or what a preacher has told them, what their grandparents or their parents have told them. But they really hadn't experienced God in a real true way where God has really touched their lives. So I felt like, man, what a better way than to introduce who God really is than do a series about the nature of God. And today we're starting off with who he is is his nature. His nature is in his name. And there's a, a passage of scripture that's going to be our key scripture verse that we're going to use for this whole series. So we're going to read that in a second. But before I get there, I want to just kind of, before we get to the scripture, I just want to give you the backdrop of where we are that led to this point. So this scripture, our main scripture comes from Exodus chapter 34, verse 5 through 8. But before that, What happened at this point is that Moses went up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. But the people of Israel, they got tired of waiting for Moses, so they went to Aaron and said, make us some gods that we can worship because this Moses fellow is taking too long. So Moses is up there in the presence of God receiving the Ten Commandments, and then the children of Israel, they're getting upset, and they're like, this is taking too long. uh, Aaron, make us some gods. So Aaron says, all right, give me all the gold earrings and jewelry that you have. And he begins to make them some gods. And then they begin to worship the gods, and they say, these are the gods that delivered us from from Egypt. These are the gods that that have brought us on this journey and are going to bring us to the promised land. And God is like alerting Moses, like, whoa, these people down here are tripping. He's like, they, they, they forgot about me. I am the God that delivered them. I am the God of rescued them. And if you know anything about Moses, Moses had a temper. So Moses comes down and he smashes the, the tablets, the Ten Commandments, and then he goes out and he starts Will Smith and everybody. <laughs> he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He probably wanted to, but he didn't do that. He didn't do that. But he's upset at this point because he's like, Wait a minute, did you not remember that this is the God that split the Red Sea, that caused uh, Pharaoh and his army and his chariots to drown in the sea, and he delivered you, and now you're down here worshiping some gods that, that, that doesn't do anything? So Moses is upset at this point. So fast forward, God, he goes and he's talking to God again, and, 
and God is like, I'm going to destroy them. And then Moses pleads with them, and then he, and in God's mercy, he says, okay, okay, I won't destroy them. But what I want you to do is I want you to write down the Ten Commandments again. Write them down on the tablets. And this is where we pick up in Exodus chapter. And then also in that part, God says that I will show you my goodness. He tells Moses that, hey, Moses says, I, I, I know I'm doing all this in your name, but I, I, show me your goodness. And God says, okay, I'll show you my goodness, but you're the only one that can see it. You're the only one that will be able to, to reveal or that I'll reveal my goodness to. And so this is where we pick up in Exodus chapter 34, verse 5 through 8. We'll read that and then we'll pray. Exodus 34, verse 5 through 8. And I'm reading out of the NLT and it should be, yep, there it is. It's on the screen. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him, and he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord. And just a side note, when you see the word, you see the Lord is capitalized right there. You see how it's capitalized? Whenever it's capitalized in the original text, the Lord capitalized means Yahweh. So God is actually saying his name twice, Yahweh. Yahweh. And this is the first time he actually revealed, well, this is not the first time, but we'll read that in a second, that God reveals his name, Yahweh, Yahweh. So whenever you read the text and you see the word Lord all capitalized, you can also replace that with Yahweh, that God is referring to his name. Then it says, the God of, he says, Yahweh, Yahweh, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation. Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshiped. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for your presence. We feel it here in the room already. I thank you that you're speaking to our hearts clearly today. I bind any hindrances or distractions from the enemy. They'll try to hinder from what you want to speak to us today. Speak clearly to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. The nature is in his name. Y'all say that. The nature is in his name. This whole passage, God is declaring who his name is. He's declaring and he's stating uh, things about his character and his nature throughout this whole passage of Scripture. And this is what this whole series is about. We're going to break this down throughout the next several weeks. But there is meaning in names. And I know in today's society, it might not seem like that because people name their children anything. There's some crazy names out there now. We're not going to call them. My wife said, don't call them, don't call them. <laughs> but you know, you ever met someone? This is a true story. So in college, I had a teammate. And in college, everybody had team, uh, nicknames. They called everybody nicknames just because some were where you were from, uh, some were just because whatever the case may be, but everybody had nicknames. And I had one teammate, his name was Rancho. We called him Rancho because he was from Rancho Cucamonga, California. And so for four years, that's where y'all from? Come on now, we got some people in the house from Rancho, come on. So he was from Rancho. And, uh, and that's all I knew. I thought his name literally was Rancho. And then some, one day someone came up to me and said, oh, I know your teammate. I was like, who? Joshua Kirk. I'm, I don't know a Joshua Kirk. <laughs> and they're like, no, I'm t he, he's a pitcher. He's, he's tall. 
he, he's from uh, California. I'm like, man, I'm telling you, there's nobody on our team named Joshua Kirk. I don't know who you're talking about, but they, I don't know anybody about it. He's like, well, I think they call him Rancho. It's like, oh, yeah, I know Rancho. I don't know Joshua Kirk, but I know Rancho. But the point is, is that people identify by names, and names have meaning. And God, his name, it has meaning. And there's so many different names that God uses to identify with, with himself. And, you know, we could kind of describe humans as well. If we could say, hey, you know that human uh, that does this thing? And you're like, well, that narrows it down to a few billion people. Can you give me a little bit more description? Well, I believe the person's name is James. Oh, James. Okay, well, James what? There's a million. How many James in the world are there? By the way, I looked up. The two most popular names in the world. Do y'all know what they are? For males and females. What do you think the most popular male name is in the world? James. That's why I used it. <laughs> James is the most popular male name. What about female? What's the most popular female man name? This one surprised me. Mary. It was actually Mary. Mary is the most popular female name. That surprised me. But names have meaning. And when God gives names in the, in, the, in the early days, God gave meaning to names. When he named Adam, Adam means of earth. When he birthed Adam and when he, when he created Adam, he named him of earth. When he created Eve, Eve, it means to give life. Abraham means the father of nations. So names have meaning. And God's names, it have mean, meaning as well. In the beginning, when God, when they described God, they called him Elohim. Elohim, and all Elohim means is just deity. That's not really given the full description or full nature of who God is. It's just saying that he's a God, Elohim. But then they took it a little step further, and they called him Adonai, which means Lord or Master. Now we're getting a little bit more descriptive of who God is. But then God says, I'm going to reveal my name to you. And we're about to read in the passage for the first time where God revealed his name to humanity. And he says, I am Yahweh which means he is, he, I'm sorry, he was, he is, and he will be. That's what Yahweh means, Yahweh. And this is the first time that God personally gives his name to humanity in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 through 15. He says, but Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am, I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Man, that's powerful. He reveals his name for the first time. He said, my name is Yahweh. I am who I am. God, his name is always, he was, he is, and he will be, Yahweh. And there's four things about the nature of his name that we're going to highlight today. Now we're going to get into the bulk of it. So if you're taking notes, you can write this first thing down. The nature or his nature is consistent. The nature is he is consistent, Yahweh. I was, I am, I will be. God is consistent. Everything about God is consistent. 
you know, some of the people that you love, we love to think that they're consistent, but then we know if we live with them, we know there's some areas that are not consistent. You know, there's some people that you think, oh, they're happy all the time, or they're just, a, they're so kind and generous, and then you think about it, and then sometimes you realize they're not always kind and generous. Well, that's not God, especially little kids. Little kids, you, they don't like to share their toys. They smile and joke and stuff like that, but then you try to take a little kid's toy. No, that's my toy. Well, what, what happened to the little smiling face? Why? Because they're not consistent in their character. But God is always consistent. Everything about him is consistent. There's nothing about him that will ever change. He is who he is. He was, he is, and who he will be. His character, he is very consistent. In the New Testament, he says he is the Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. Meaning there's nothing under the earth that I don't know. There's nothing that is happening under my watch that I know about. I know sometimes we feel like, God, don't you see what's going on? Yes, he does. His character is consistent. He is unchanging. Have you ever seen an old friend and you saw them and said, man, you hadn't aged a bit. I hadn't seen you in years, but you hadn't. And then sometimes it stops it. Man, life has been hard on you. <laughs> don't ever tell them that. <laughs> That's not nice. <laughs> But God is consistent. He doesn't change. You see him yesterday, he's going to be the same tomorrow. You, in two months, he's going to be the same as he was 10 years ago. In 30 years from now, he's going to be the same as he was 50 years from now. He's always the same. He's consistent. He's unchanging. He is consistent embodiment of his character. What is God's character? His character is love, justice, and peace. And he will never not be these things. He's love, justice, and peace. When you are a child of God, anytime the enemy comes and attacks you or tries to wage war against you, guess what? God is just to step in and to defend you. Always. And he's always to show love and kindness to you as well. And also, he's there for you that if you need peace. You know, the world can be very, very cruel. And people can be cruel. And we could walk through some things where you say, you know what? I just need peace. I need peace in my mind. And guess what? You can always go to God and you can receive peace from him. Why? Because he's consistent. Everything about his character, he's the embodiment of character or he is the embodiment, embodiment of consistency. Everything about God's nature is in his name. He's consistent. Not only is he consistent embodiment of character, he will always be who he was. What you see in scripture, if God did something in scripture for someone else, guess what? He could do it for you. He could do it for you. Just like the woman with the issue of blood that needed healing in her body. She said, if I could just touch out and reach the, the, the a tip or the fringe of his robe, then I can be healed. Guess what? That same scripture's for you. We talked about this before. She didn't have a scripture to read to say that. She just had faith to believe. We have scriptures to read that we can say, you know what? All I have to do is believe that if God did it for this person, he could do it for me. But you just have to believe him. He's consistent. He wants to heal. You say, well, God, I don't know what's going on in my marriage. My marriage is on the rocks. Guess what? He can heal your marriage. He's consistent. I need healing in my body. I need joy. I need peace. Whatever it is that you need, you can go to him because his character is consistent, and he'll meet all your needs. Amen? That's the first thing about him. His character is in his name. He's consistent. The second thing is his nature is connection. His nature is connection. And he says that, 
I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations, for a thousand generations. His nature is connecting. The God of your ancestors. He's the God of your ancestors. This is an amazing thought that I, I was just thinking about. You never know who your ancestors were that were saved and have prayed prayers for you. You're standing on the prayers of your ancestors before you. And you say, well, I never met them. It doesn't matter. They pray prayers. I know that I'm here, ancestors, family members that I've never met, but I know generations of generations ago, they prayed prayers for me. That's why it's so important to pray for the next generation. Because your prayers will be the prayers that the kids from generations to generations will stand on. Because God is a God of connection. He connects generations to generations. We just read that in scripture where he says that. That your prayers are powerful. Just like the prayers of our ancestors are powerful. We're standing on the prayers of our ancestors. And God says, you know what? Those prayers that you prayed hundreds of years ago, guess what? We're living in the fullness of it right now. Because God is a God of connection. He's a relational God. He's a personal God. Did you know God wants to know you personally? He doesn't just want to, he wants to know every detail. He already knows it. He's just waiting for you to say, open up your heart so I can come in. He's a personal God. He's a relational God. He's a God that moved from Elohim to Yahweh. You know, Jesus, he stepped from servants to friends. When he came down to, to earth, he said, you know what? Now I don't have servants. I want to make friends. I want to connect. And he chose 12 people to walk alongside of him. They said, you know what? Not only I'm going to teach you, but you're going to be my friends. And he did life with the disciples. He doesn't need any of us, but he wants all of us. You know, God can do anything that he wants. But instead of just doing anything that he wants, he says, you know what? I want to use people. I want to use people, and I want to connect to people as a way to connect with them, to show them that I care about them to show them that I do care about your dreams and your passions, that I do have a purpose for you. Why is that? Because he's a God that's personal and relational, and he wants to connect to you. It's always good to be remembered who you're connected to. We're all children of Abraham. That's good. But you also need to be remembered that you're connected to Jesus as well. That's even better. It's good to be a child of Abraham, but it's even better to be a child of Christ. And when we know whose child we are, then we could come boldly into his presence and we could declare our petitions. We could come boldly into his presence and say, Daddy, I love you. And we can receive his love in return. Why? Because he's a God that wants to connect with us. And he will never, you will never, there's never will be, there will never be a moment that you go in God's presence and you try to connect and he says, you know what? I don't feel like it today. Now, we might say that, but he, he never says that. Why? Because he wants to connect with you. He wants to be with you. So God is a God that is consistent. God is a God of connection. And the third thing is his nature is covenant. His nature is covenant. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Covenant is an oath to perform something. God makes covenants so we can know what to expect. He's a God of covenant. And so God says, you know what? Not only do I give you my word, I give you my covenant, meaning that I'm going to show you or I'm going to declare something. And when I say this, you can believe it's going to happen. When he made a promise to Abraham that he said, I will make you the father 
of many nations. He wasn't just saying that. He says, I want to make a covenant with you through the generations that this will be fulfilled. And Abraham died without receiving the promise, but it doesn't mean that he would receive it, receive it when he got to heaven. But God wants to make a covenant with each and every one of us. He's a covenant God. Whatever God promises, he will do. When he promised Noah, he said, you know what? No longer will I ever flood the, the earth with water. I'll never do it again. And his covenant sign that he would do that was the rainbow. So whenever we see the rainbow, that's God's covenant sign that says, I will no longer flood the earth with water. There's so many covenant covenants that God made on earth. With the people of Israel, he says, if you will be faithful to obey my law, I will be your God, and I will let you enter into the promised land. But, but God's covenant, it always is two sides. God says, I'll give you my covenant. This is my end of the bargain, but you have to live up to your end of the bargain as well. It's a two-way street. You see, God's covenant is true. See, the children of Israel, God made a covenant with them, says, I will free you, and I will show you to the promised land. But they got impatient, and they started bickering and murmuring on the way, and all of them didn't enter into the promised land. It didn't mean that God didn't want them to. It's just that they made a decision not to obey all of God's law. And all well, we know the story that they, they didn't enter the promised land. It was only a select few that they had to die off, and their children had to receive the promised land. I don't want that to be me. I don't want God to give me promises and then I don't receive them because I don't obey his laws. Whatever God promises me, I want to say, God, whatever you promise me, whatever you ask for me, I want to receive those promises. I'm going to obey your law. I'm going to be faithful to serve you. I'm going to be faithful to be obedient to you because I know what you promise, you will fulfill. And you can take it to the bank. When God promises something, he will do it. Amen? When Jesus came, on earth. That's the greatest covenant that we could be a part of. Because Jesus, he was beaten. He was bloodied. He was bruised. He died to be in relationship with us. You know what all we have to do is? Believe. Believe. If you believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he died and rose in three days, and you believe in your heart, then you're saved. That's all you have to do. All you have to do is believe. That's the only requirement to be connected in a covenant with Jesus. You have to believe. But guess what the enemy does? He comes in and tries to make you what? Not believe. He tries to come in to make you doubt. And how does he do that? Through storms of life. Through difficulties. Through trials. He'll try to throw everything at you through disappointments and relationships. He'll do everything that he can and try to do to get you to get to the point where you feel like, I don't know if I believe in God anymore. I don't know if I trust anymore, but God says all you have to do is trust and believe in me no matter what you walk through, no matter what you go through. If you're with me, if you trust me and believe me, I will be there for you. My covenant is I will never leave you nor forsake you. All you have to do is trust and believe. God is a God of covenant. He's a God of covenant. So he's a God of consistency. He's a God of connection. He's a God of covenant. And this is the final and fourth thing. His nature is commission. He has sent me to you. He has sent me to you. God has the ability to do anything he wants at any time, but he chooses to work through people. As we mentioned that a little bit before, he chooses to use us. And we say, God, you know, some people say, why is there evil in the world? If God knows everything and he sees everything, why does he allow evil in the world? And it's not that God is allowing evil in the world. It's that God's saying, I want to use you to make a difference. 
I want to use you to be the change. I want to use you to be the example. I want to use you to be the leader in this situation that you can invoke change in the earth. Why is that? Because God is a God of commission. He's not just sitting back saying, I want to be in relationship with you to be in relationship with you. He says, I want to be in relationship with you so you can go and fulfill the work that I have for you to accomplish here on earth. And he commissions each and every one of us. Each and every one of us has an assignment. Do I know what it is? I don't. Sorry, I don't. But he does. And the more that we connect to him, he will make it clear what the assignment is that he's commissioning you to do. Because he has commissioned each and every one of us because that's his nature. He could have done, chosen anybody he wanted to. He, you know, when God created the heavens and the earth, he could have maintained everything himself. But he says, you know what, I'm going to create Adam because I want Adam, Adam to manage everything that I've created. Why? Because he chose to commission someone to do the work. He always commissions us. You know why parents have kids? Because we commission them to do all the work. <laughs> I need you to go get that remote. Go bring me something to drink. I need you to go get this off the table for me. Camden, she's looking like, <laughs> But we just taking the nature of our daddy. We just commissioning, commissioning the kids. But when God says, who will go speak on my behalf? Who will declare my word? Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. God is always looking for people to commission. When Jesus chose the 12 apostles, he walked with them, taught them. They saw him perform all these miracles. Then he says, then you go out and you do the same as I have done. What did he do? He commissioned them to go out and to do. He said, and not only that, but he said, even greater works you will do. That's kind of unfathomable, unfathomable to think that God says or Jesus says that we could do even greater works than he can. That is amazing to think that you really? Yes, really. That's what the word says, because the Holy Spirit is our comfort. The Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us to give us everything that we need to accomplish everything that we need to do. Because God has commissioned us. So if you ever felt afraid of an assignment that God has given you, don't be afraid. If the Holy Spirit is inside of you, the Holy Spirit will give you everything that you need in just the right time. You just don't need to be afraid. You just need to step out and obey because God has commissioned you. And that's one thing that I feel like a lot of people struggle with is the commissioning part. They love to receive from God. They love to worship God. They love to read his word. But then when God says, step out and do something, oh, I don't know about that, God. Oh, I don't know if I'm equipped for that, God. I, 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 don't, know, I don't know about that. I mean, you might want to get someone else that's a little bit more qualified than me because I... I just don't know what to say. I get nervous in front of people. I, I just, my, my thoughts get, I, I don't know what to say. I might say something, something crazy. They might think I'm crazy, God. We come up with every excuse in the book. Moses tried to come up with every excuse. I can't speak. Did I ask you if you could speak? I just said, go. Well, what about, did you know my brother Aaron? What about him? He could speak well. Like God didn't know Aaron could speak well. But he made every excuse. He tried to do everything that he could to get out of it, and we do the same thing. But God has commissioned each and every one of us for an assignment. That's his nature. That's his nature. He created us for a purpose. Say, I have a purpose. You do have a purpose. And don't let the enemy lie to you and say that you don't. 
Because he would try to say, oh, well, my purpose isn't as great as this person's. Look at all the things that they're doing. And look, God just don't give me anything to do. That's not true. Don't allow the enemy to lie to you. Those are discouraging thoughts from the enemy that he's trying to use to take you out. No matter how big or small the assignment is that God gives you, it's an assignment for God, and that's major. We should all be thankful that God would entrust us for whatever assignment that it is, because God is trying to fulfill something on earth through us by commissioning us to go out and do the work that he's called us to do. We just have to be faithful to step out in obedience and say, God, I trust you. I may not have all the answers. I may not have it all figured out. And just like in God's fashion, he doesn't show us the full picture. He would just give us a little glimpse. And he says, I need you to use faith to trust me. Just trust me. And I'm going to lie to you. That's hard. It is. It's, it could be difficult. So if you ever felt like, man, this is hard, you're not alone. I've been there before myself. When God tells you to step out and to do something, it could be intimidating. It could be overwhelming, in fact. But all you have to do is say, you know what? Despite what I feel, I'm going to be obedient to God. You have to train yourself to be obedient when your, faith, when your feelings don't feel like it. It's, but it's easier said than done. <laughs> but we have to get to that point where we master ourselves to say, you know what? I'm going to overcome my feelings. I'm going to overcome my feelings. I'm not going to give in to my feelings. I'm not going to give in to insecurity. I'm not going to give in to doubt and fear and timidity. I'm going to stand out in boldness, and I'm going to boldly declare what God has called me to do because he's commissioned me. Amen? So those are four natures of God today. God is a God of consistency. He's consistent. In everything he do, his nature is consistent. He's a connecting God. He wants to connect with you. He wants to be in relationship with you. Through generations and generations, the prayers of our ancestors are where we are today as a result of their prayers. And that's why we pray for the next generation, because he's a connecting God. He's a covenant God. God makes a covenant. His promises are yes and amen. All of his promises are true. We can take it to the bank. Whenever God promises something, we can know that it's true. And also, God is a commissioning God. He has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of you. Amen? Amen. I want to close with this thought. You know, Jesus is the English name for Jesus, obviously. But his real name, when God sent Jesus to earth, his real name is Yeshua. And if you break down the word Yeshua, it, the first part, yesh, doesn't that sound like yah? Yesh, yah. It's kind of similar, right? The first part of that is God. The Shua part is salvation. So what Yeshua really means is God saves. God saves. So if you're in a point here today where you say, I don't know what to do with my life. My life is a shambles. Go to Yeshua because God saves. My marriage is in shambles. I don't know what to do. Go to Yeshua. God saves. I need peace in my mind. I don't know what's going on. Go to Yeshua because God saves. He, I, I'm in a financial situation where it's, I don't know what to do. Go to Yeshua. God saves. He can save you from every situation that you walk through and you face. You just have to go to him. And not only do you go to him, you have to trust and believe that he'll give you exactly what it is that you asked him for. That takes faith. So today, I just want to encourage you in your faith. Don't stop trusting. Don't waver in your faith. Stand strong in your faith. Because the enemy is going to do everything that he can to cause you to make your faith waver, to make your faith doubt. God can't do it. I, I don't know how he's going to do it this time. 
you're in a big pickle this time. Boy, I just don't know how he's going to come through. Do you see these odds against you? And you can get to thinking about all that stuff, and you can talk yourself out of it, and you can fall yourself, find yourself in a depression. Well, I just stay in the bed today. Just gonna, not going to leave the house today. I see people call on my phone, but I don't feel like talking to them today. <laughs> what is that? Discouragement. I want to encourage you today. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You just have to trust and believe. God saves Yeshua. Go to Yeshua. Run to Yeshua. Amen. Let's lift our hands and let's pray. Lord, I thank you right now for your presence that's in this room. I thank you, Lord, that you're, you've spoken clearly to our hearts today, that today that we're encouraged, that today we can look to you with a new grip. We can take a new grip with our tired and weary hands. I thank you for those that have come in weary and depressed and downtrodden, that they find joy today, that they find peace today, that they find strength today. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that everything that we need, you know what each and every person needs. And I thank you that you're meeting that need right now today. I thank you for financial breakthrough. I thank you for healing in bodies. I thank you for, for wayward child, child that are going astray, that they will come back to you. For lost family members, they will receive salvation. I thank you, whatever the situation may be, Lord, that you know it. And I pray that you meet that need right now. Holy Spirit, I thank you again for what you're doing in this room, how you're moving, how you're speaking to hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to just ask everyone just to very reverently bow their heads and close their eyes. I want to give one more invitation, and this is an invitation for salvation. You know, we talked about Yeshua, God saves. The most important decision that you will make is to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. More important than who you marry, more important than what job you take, where you live, what car you buy, what house you buy. The most important decision you will ever make is receiving Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is moving in this room, and you know exactly who you are if you don't have a relationship with God. So I'm not trying to convince you, because if I have to convince you, I have to, the devil can unconvince you. This has to be something that you truly believe in your heart, that you say, you know what? I've come to this point in my life where I realize my way doesn't work. <laughs> Jesus, I need you. And if you're in here today and you say, Jesus, Yeshua, I need you. I need you to save me from myself. I need you to save me from my life. If that's you in here today with no one looking around, I'm not trying to embarrass you. This is just between you and God. I want you to lift your hand. No one else looking around. And I want to pray for you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm just going to ask everyone just to do this last thing. Just everyone, if they can place your hand over your heart. I want everyone to repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for forgiving me and for washing away my sin. I repent of all sin and lay it down at the foot of your cross. Thank you for coming into my heart and coming into my life and giving me purpose. I thank you, Lord, that I am free, that I am saved, that I am free. I thank you right now that you're giving me the strength to pursue you and follow you all the days of my life. I love you, Lord. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise. For those that made a decision to follow Christ, that is the greatest decision you will ever make in your life.
And that's always my favorite part of the service is seeing people surrender their life to God. It happened to me in August of 2004. My life has never been the same. Now you know your date. I don't know the exact date. I know it was in August. <laughs> but if you made the decision to follow Christ, and if you're watching online and you made the decision to follow Christ, just drop a comment in the comment section. Let us know. Or you can inbox us. We love to reach out to you and pray for you. But if you're in the room, just fill out a card in the pew back in front of you. It says, uh, let's connect. But on the back of it, it says, I made a decision. Uh, just fill out that card. Drop it in the offering bucket. We love to connect with you throughout the week. Pray with you. See what God did in your heart in that moment. Come on, let's give it up one more time for those that made a decision to follow Christ. Greatest decision you ever made. Now, this is the part of the service where we uh, bless the tithe and we pray for the tithe. Now, this being the first month of April, I'm sorry, the first Sunday in April, we always dedicate the tithe for the month. So we're going to dedicate the tithe for the month of April. So let's just pray for the tithe for the month of April. Lord, I thank you right now for the tithe. I thank you for your people, that you bless your people. I thank you, Lord God, that there will be no lack, that you know what each and every one of us needs, Lord God. And I pray that we would have more than enough, that we would have more than enough coming in. I thank you for those that are praying for new jobs, that they will receive new jobs. I thank you for those who are up for promotions, that they will get that promotion for raises and bonuses, unexpected sources of income. I thank you right now, Lord God, that we are a blessed people, and we are a blessed people to be generous givers unto you. And I thank you, Lord God, that you bless the storehouse, bless the tithe that's come into this church, bless our church financially, Lord God, that we have more than enough for everything to accomplish the goals and the promises that you've given us to fulfill. Lord, we love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us, those watching online. We love you guys. Hope to see you this Wednesday for our first Wednesday service. Starts this Wednesday, uh, April 6th at 6.30 p.m. We'd love to see you in the house. But Thank you for joining in. We love you guys. Hope you guys have a great week. Amen. You guys can stand to your feet at this time, and we're going to go back into a little worship, and then you can